Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. Today we're continuing our four-part sermon series called Gratitude is the Best Attitude. Say that with me. Gratitude is the best attitude. That's what our nation needs. That's what our country needs. That's what the people of America need today is a little bit of gratitude. And that's what we need as a household of the faith. But as we come to the prophet Jeremiah... I'm sure that that you might have a few of these verses in this, not just this chapter, but this book and some of the other writings such as Lamentation that Jeremiah wrote. But but if you've got your Bibles there, maybe you can take note in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 5 is a verse that we resort to when we think about Jeremiah, where the Bible talks about before I knew thee, uh, excuse me, before I formed thee in the womb, the Bible says that God knew Jeremiah. So I want you to know this, that before you were ever born, before you were ever thought of by your mom and dad, God Almighty knew about you. And he had a plan for your life, just like he had a plan for the prophet Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah's plan that God had for him is a little bit different than your plan that God has for you. And likewise for me, in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, we read about the, the verse of prayer, where the Bible says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The Bible assures us that when we go boldly to the throne of grace... And we seek help in our time of need. God promises to give that to us. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, this is probably the most famous verse in all of Jeremiah. We're going to talk about it here in a few minutes. But in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, the Bible talks about how it's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. And it speaks about great is thy faithfulness written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit through the penman, Jeremiah. Today, I want to label my thoughts with this. A thanksgiving promise. That is, as we come to Jeremiah 29, we read about how God is a promise-keeping God. And I wrote down this key statement that I would like to just summarize my whole sermon in this statement. And I hope that you'll make it part of your life today because I made it a part of mine. Here's what I wrote down. I am thankful for the promises of God. I am thankful for the promises of God. This month, as we enter into the month of Thanksgiving, I believe today we should thank God for the promises that he has given us in his word. And right here, we have a great promise from Almighty God to Jeremiah about God's people in the Old Testament. And I want you to know this, the same God that gave promises back then in the Old Testament, give God the glory, is the same God that gives us promises today. Today, I want to share with you five Five thoughts about thankfulness, about really five things I'm thankful for from this passage in my Christian life. As I read verses 1 through 9, I wrote down this first thought that I want to relate to you. I am thankful to God for the promise of truthfulness. I am thankful to God for the promise of truthfulness. In other words, I'm thankful that there is an absolute divine truth, and it's called the Word of God. Today, I'm thankful that that every word of God is pure from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. I'm thankful that verse in Psalm where the Bible says that God's Word is true 
from the very beginning, and every one of his judgments endure forever. Today, we can stand assured that, that the foundation of the word of God, it's settled, it's concrete, it is, it is not moving anywhere, and I know that our world likes to shake it. It beats the word of God. It batters the word of God. It tries to bruise the word of God and butcher and, 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 and annihilate it, but I want you to know this, that God's word is forever settled in heaven, and there's no word of Satan, there's no word of the, the enemy of the demonic spirits that can cause this word to falter or to err because God God has already said it and it is settled today as we read this chapter it's interesting that in the verse first nine verses of this scene in Jeremiah's life that there arose up some false prophets in his day today I'm thankful for truth that no matter how many televangelists there may be who is who's preaching a false truth, that there is still one truth, and that truth is found in the Word of God. That's why it's so critical that when we hear the preaching of God's Word, whether it's here, right here now, or when we listen online, or wherever, we sift that Word through the Word. We sift the sermon Word through the words of Scripture. And that is we try the message, we test the message to find out what is true and what is false. Now, here's, here's something interesting. I believe that the reason why so many people are swayed to the left and swayed to the right from false preachers is because they do not know the word themselves. God's word is so true. And the Bible says in verse number eight, it says, do not let your prophets or your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you. Deception is the trick of the enemy all the way from the very beginning. Genesis chapter 3, we read about how God, excuse me, God placed Adam and Eve in a garden and Satan came, the serpent, the Bible says, came to deceive. And he still comes to deceive. And he comes not just to deceive, but also to destroy, as John 10, 10 talks about. But I'm thankful today that even though that, that Satan comes to deceive, Satan comes to destroy, that God comes to give life and to give it more abundantly. And that can only be found in this book right here because it is the truth. The Bible is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Jesus said this. He said, thy word is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. If Jesus, the greatest example our world has ever seen, said that the word of God was true, that is good enough for me. The church in Thessalonica believed that God's word was true. The Bereans in the book of Acts chapter 17 believed the word of God was true. I wonder if there's a group here in Roanoke, Virginia that still believes the word of God is true. If you believe God's word is true, say amen. amen. I'm glad we can agree that God's word is the truth. So the next time you hear about somebody standing up and preaching a prosperity gospel, you can go back to the word of God and say, hey, God does not call everybody to be prosperous. I read about John the Baptist, who was a very poor vagabond and nomad and ate locusts and wild honey and, and wore camel's hair. He preached and preached and preached one of the greatest that's ever seen apart from Jesus Christ. You know, um, I appreciate the prayers this past week as I went to L.A. And, and I went to this place called Greystone Mansion. You ever heard of it before? Huge place. 46,000 square foot. Somebody's house. So back in the 20s, 
back in the 20s. You know, when I first read about this, it, it cost about $4 million to build. I was like, oh, well, that's nothing. <laughs> well, to me, that's a lot, but, but, but for a huge mansion, that's nothing. But it was built in the 1920s. And $4 million in, 19, in the 20s was a whole lot of dough, man. <laughs> Today, it's worth about 40 or $50 million. But could you imagine living in a palace such as that, overlooking not just L.A., but overlooking Beverly Hills? Very, very interesting. But I want you to know this, that, that there's some people that are going to come to God's word and they're going to twist it and they're going to pull passages out and say that, 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 that you, when you're living right, God is going to give you millions and millions of dollars and you're going to live in a place like Greystone Mansion. Have you read Jesus' life? Did Jesus live in a mansion? No. Did Jesus own a house? No. Jesus was the great, greatest influential person to ever walk this earth. And listen, my house was bigger than his. <laughs> I mean, imagine that. The greatest man, the son of God who owned the entire world and universe, didn't have a place to lay his head. So let's keep in mind that when we're hearing preaching, when we're, when we're hearing somebody talk about God's word, let's not just take it there and leave it there. Let's take it and sift it through God's word because, listen, just as in the days of, of Jeremiah, there was these diviners and these prophets and these preachers coming, and, and they were very eloquent with their speech and pulling many people away from God's word. The Bible says we need to be cautious. I, as I read verse number 10, or actually, let's, let's, finish, let's finish verse number 9. It says, For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. There's going to be people that are going to be preaching a, a message that doesn't go line to line and toe to toe with the word of God. And they're going to be doing it in the name of Jesus. Talk about blasphemy. And he says, I have not sent them, saith the Lord. How do you know if somebody is a false preacher or a false prophet? Well, when they teach something or preach something, that is false, and it doesn't line up with the Word of God. May I now draw your attention to verse number 10. I wrote down, first of all today, I am thankful to God for the promise of truthfulness. But I also wrote down, secondly, as I read verse number 10, I wrote down this, I am thankful to God for the promise of deliverance. I am thankful to God for the promise of deliverance. As I shared a few moments ago, you, you probably know the story here, but, but God gave Jeremiah a word. And the more he preached the word, the more hostile the people got towards his word. And I, I want you to know this, that, that the more I study the life of Jeremiah, the more I study the Old Testament saints, the more I see modern day America and modern day society. Because the more we're out preaching the God's word, the more we're out sowing the gospel seed, the more hostile the world is getting to this book right here. So that is when you take God's word and you say, like an issue of marriage and say marriage, the Bible clearly says marriage is between man and a woman and and preferably for life. The Bible says that, and that's sure. That's the word of God. And the more we preach that, the more hostile the world is getting towards that message. The Bible talks about how, how before we were even in our belly, God knew us. So, so God values life, whether the person was born or unborn. The more we preach that, the more hostile the world is getting. And the more we preach about Jesus being God and Jesus being the only way to heaven, the more hostile our world is getting. And I'm here to say this, that the longer we go in society before coming to know, before Jesus coming back, I believe the world is going to get more hostile toward the word of God. We are only seeing the beginning, as the Bible speaks of in the last days. And here, 
Jeremiah, as he was preaching, these people were hostile to him. They didn't want to hear his message. Imagine if I came to Roanoke, Virginia, and I said, in in the next few years, for 70 years, another nation is going to come and take you captive, and you're going to serve them and bow to their kingdom and be their subjects. Well, you may not like that message. And here, verse number 10, the Bible says here, For thus saith the Lord, that after. So I believe that, that we hear what we want to hear and we see what we want to see. You could go back and you could study the prophet Jeremiah and you could see how, how there was times when, when God's word was judgment. But I believe here, verse 10, is a word of mercy and grace. To be like, hey, my judgment is only going to last for 70 years and then I'm going to bring you back to the land. How are we doing this? I am thankful to God for the promise of deliverance. God delivered these Israelites from the hand of the Babylonians. And I want you to know this, that if God delivered them from their adversity, from their calamity and their captivity, God can deliver us. And listen, we, we have a little bit different of captivity than they did. Today, we are held captive by this thing called sin. And the only way to be rescued from sin is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Getting baptized is not going to get you that redemption that, that maybe somebody is striving for, although it's a good thing to do and, and to follow the Lord's command. God commanded us to do it. But that's not going to receive salvation. Salvation, the Bible says, is by grace through faith alone and through Jesus alone and by grace alone. It's something we cannot earn. I'm thankful that He can reach into our lives and deliver us from the trials of this life and the trial of eternity in hell. And by the way, when you study the Word of God, may I just be honest with you today? When you read the Bible, if you just open the Bible up and you read it from Genesis to Revelation, you'll find out that there's one God and there's one way to heaven through Jesus and there is a heaven and there is a hell. You can't get around that today, church. And the more we preach that message, I believe the world is going to get more hostile to not just our message, but the message found right here in God's Word. And may God help us to be just like Jeremiah, to have our feet anchored into the word of God. That is when the world starts to sway us and to push us in directions we thought we might not want to go. May God help us to stand firm in this book right here. I am thankful to God for the promise of deliverance. God can deliver you from sin. He can deliver you from hell if you ask him. Jesus said that he came not to condemn, but to save Jesus came to deliver us from the powers of darkness and sin. I'm thankful for sanctification, how God has the power to transform our lives. That is, from B.C., before Christ, to after Christ. If somebody were to come to analyze your life, he'll begin, they begin to see a complete life transformation. I'm thankful for justification, how the Bible talks about this word and how it is he who justifies us and makes us righteous. And when we stand before the judgment of God, he looks on us and he sees his righteousness. We are clothed in his blood today, church. I'm thankful for this word called propitiation. That is when Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, the wrath of God was completely satisfied and appeased. And now we have direct access to God the Father through a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for glorification, 
that even though I'm standing right here in flesh and blood, I'm already in heaven because my spirit bears witness with his spirit and my home is not this world. So let's not get too attached to this life. Let's not get too attached to the things in this world because this world will pass away. The things in this world will rust and that money that you have, that nice house that you might have, that car that you might be driving, one day it's going to rust and one day the Bible says it's going to be burned up just like everything else. Today I'm thankful to God for the promise of deliverance and for the promise of truthfulness. But may I share with you from verse number 11, a third thought today. I am thankful to God for the promise of peace in every circumstance. I am thankful to God for the promise of peace in every circumstance. Look at verse number 11. Imagine, the Bible says earlier that this was a a word, a letter that that, that Jeremiah sent to these captives. and, And they're reading this letter and they're talking about these 70 years. And I'm sure when they got to verse number 10, they were just all discouraged and down. But then verse number 11 came. And these Israelites... They begin to read it, how, how, how the Bible says that, that God knows us and he thinks about good things toward us and that his thoughts are thoughts of peace, not evil, to give us an expected end. You know how you know God loves us? It's when we began to detour from the walk that he's called us to walk, that he chastens us and brings us back to that spot. You know how you know your mom and dad loved you as a kid? It's because when you did something that you knew you shouldn't be doing, they disciplined you. And today, church, I believe we need a little bit of dose of the discipline from Almighty God. And here, the Bible says this. I believe that that here when we read verse 11 and 12, we should be thankful for the promise of peace. How do you know the Holy Spirit lives inside you? Well, that when you go through the hour of death, when you go through the hour of disease, When you go through the hour of the valley of life, you can still have peace. You can have peace in the midst of a storm through Jesus Christ. Verse number 12. It says, Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. How do you overcome anxiety, depression? How do you overcome that? I believe it's through prayer. You see, there used to be a day when, when, when preachers would rip and rail against depression. But I want you to know this. Depression is a real thing. Prophets such as Jeremiah and others in the Old Testament, they, they, they traveled through the valley of depression. And it's real. And I believe the greatest way to overcome those thoughts is by understanding when we cast all of our anxieties, all of our care upon Jesus, he's there to help us. He gives us peace in the midst of storms. He gives us peace in the midst of the valleys. He gives us peace in the midst of the trials and tribulations of this life. And today I am thankful that God has the power to do that. May I share with you from verses 13 and 14 now? When you study the life of Jeremiah, when you study the life of Israel, you have to think about the providential hand of God. So I wrote down this fourth thought. I am thankful to God for the promise of his providence. I am thankful to God for the promise of his providence. I'm sure right now, if you look back at your life, you could see 
How God was at work in every single season, connecting you to the right people, connecting you to this person, connecting you to that person. God is sovereign and he's at work. I know, I know, I know. All right. So for, for Mr. Pharisee out there, I know that the word sovereign does not come up in our English Bible. But what you'll find out that the sovereign hand of God is all over this book we call the Bible. How God was sovereign in the life of Joseph. How he went from the pit to the prison to the palace. I'm telling you, only God can do such a thing. God is sovereign even in the midst of Jeremiah's life. How Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet and he was wailing and weeping and preaching and nobody wanted to hear him. But then eventually that word sunk in and God used a man like Daniel to be an influential Jewish man in a Gentile nation. And eventually, they come back to the promised land. God's providence was there. His hand was there. And I want you to know this. That you might look at your life right now, and you might say, where is God? Well, God is right there. Just because you can't see God in the midst of your life doesn't mean he's not there. I believe God is all over your life because he spoke your life into existence. And he is setting everything up. And I know that what you're going through right now may not be so nice and lovely. But I want you to know that God has a way of taking pain and turning it into a purpose. God has a way of taking a mess, a great mess, and turning it into a mighty, mighty miracle. And today, church, I want you to know this, that God is sovereign in your life. And he's working it all out for his good and his purpose and his plan. I may not understand it. You may not understand it. But God does. And he declares the end from the beginning. Look at verse 13. It says, You shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. There was a day in my life when the Holy Spirit was drawing me and I began to seek after God. But it wasn't me seeking after God. Really, it was God seeking after me. And today, church, I want you to know this, that when we, with everything in us, begin to seek after God and pursue God, I believe he's going to be right there. Verse number 14 says, And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. I will turn away your captivity, speaking specifically about the Jews' captivity in Babylon. And he did turn it away. And if he turned their captivity away, he can turn yours away and mine away. It says, I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you. Sometimes God has to scatter us. Remember in the New Testament, the book of Acts, God told them, hey, I want you to start in Jerusalem, but then I want you to go all over the world. And they hovered in Jerusalem and they weren't willing to go. And so God drove them out through the act of persecution. You see, when God wants to accomplish something, I believe he's going to figure out a way to do it. And that's what he did then and right here in Jeremiah's day. It goes on to say, I will bring you again into the place of whence I caused you to be carried away captive. And they did. As Brother Joel's been going through in Sunday school this morning, going back into the life of Haggai and Esther, Nehemiah, and Esther, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, going back and, and seeing how God brought the Israelites back there to worship in the temple. You see, the Old Testament was different. They worshiped God, the main worship place, was the big temple. 
And today, your body is the temple. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives inside of us, and we are the temples of God. This building is just a building that we've set aside to be used to worship God. But you are the building of God. I am the building of God. I like what, what the one preacher said. He said, the church is not the steeple. The church is the people. And that is so true. I am thankful to God for the promise of his providence. But now I want you to know this. I want to draw your attention to the last section. From verses 15 all the way down to verse 30, 32. We're not going to read these. But, but I want to emphasize this thought. I am thankful God always blesses obedience. I am thankful God always blesses obedience. I believe what Israel was learning, it's, it corresponds back to the life of Solomon. When Solomon was lifting up his hands and praying and asking God to send down wisdom and to bless his nation, God did. And he said, as long as my people obey my voice, they will have my blessing. But when my people disobey my voice, they will receive my judgment. Today, we've, we've, we've really seen the blessing of God in America. And of course, other nations all over the world have seen God's blessing too. But for many, many years, this nation had Jesus first. As a whole, this nation no longer has that. And I think it's time that we as the body of Christ, if we say we believe God, if we say we follow Jesus, if we say we're a Christian, then it's time that our life reflects that message. The message that I preach, wouldn't you expect me to be a message that I practiced in my life? Well, the same way that you would expect me to be practicing what I am preaching and teaching is the same way that God expects all of us to be living out our life as a Christian. I'm thankful that God always blesses obedience. So my question for us all today is, are we obedient? Are we thankful for the providential hand of God? Are we thankful that God gives us peace in every circumstance? Are we thankful that God gives us deliverance from our trials? And are we thankful for the truth of the word of God? Today, this is a Thanksgiving promise. And I close with my key statement. I am thankful for the promises of God. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, 
May God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.